Pretty good when half the church leaves when it's the youth and youngsters, isn't it? Yeah. Right. We're thankful for all these kids and grateful for parents that know they need to have them in the house of God and receiving the word of the Lord. Amen. We we grow as we go, right? Amen. We grow as we go in the word. We're always growing or should be. Sometimes growing painful, right? <coughs> you ever had any pain inflicted by what God said in his word personally to you? Sure we have. Uh, tonight we're going to uh, kind of teach, preach. And as always, I'll ask for some comments and thoughts as we go along here. Um, and I want to term it this way. I want to title this particular subject this way. And I, I, I'm asking, and I'm not saying that it's not always the case, but I'm asking for your undivided attention tonight because this subject that we're getting ready to get into is absolutely beyond necessary that we get a good understanding of this. And I'm going to refer to it as the Great Crippler. The Great Crippler. And I'll tell you why here in just a minute. First, let's pray again. I know we've already prayed several prayers tonight, but I want to pray over this. I want to pray this touches hearts tonight, all of us, uh, because this is one of the greatest enemies of uh, individual believers. It's one of the greatest enemies of the church today. And uh, so much of the time it goes completely unrecognized. And uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to dissect it tonight. We're going to tear this thing open. And uh, I hope and pray that it touches people. Heavenly Father, we just come tonight and we, we bring your word. We come, God, with uh, just an humbleness before you, Lord. We come before you, God, looking and searching for the things that would better us, that would improve us, Lord, in our relationship with you, in our relationships with each other, in what we do here in this church, which is to further your kingdom. And Lord, I just ask you to touch hearts tonight. Uh, touch us where we need to be touched. Prick us where we need to be pricked. Cut us where we need to be cut, Lord. And I just pray, God, for a great deliverance on behalf of this word tonight, Lord, that it reaches to the depths of our souls and beings, Lord, that it can truly, and we will truly allow it to, do in us what needs to be done. We're just grateful for your word. We're grateful for this church. We're grateful for the people here tonight and everybody that's associated. We're thankful for churches everywhere, Lord, that are teaching and preaching Jesus Christ and the, and the blood and the cross and the crucifixion and the, and the resurrection. And God, we're just grateful, God. And I ask you to help us all, Lord, in these trying times, these perilous times, these dangerous times. But help us, God, to plow forth with the sword of the truth of the spirit of the word of God as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The great crippler, what is it? We could think of several things probably. And I spoke, I touched on this just a little bit Sunday morning, but nothing in depth or nothing with any detailed explanation <coughs> of any kind other than just a few comments. Uh, I want to begin in reference to the title I just gave you. The great crippler. And I want to break that down in itself. I know it sounds simple. It sounds like an easily understood title or something the preacher come up with to tag this thing with tonight. But that's not by accident. It's not just for some opinion. It's because uh, I've really been moved and stirred uh, for a while about this and how it affects things. In all of us, in us as a whole. Uh, this is, we're we're going to, again, just get down to the meat of this thing. And uh, great, when you think of great, what do you think of? Big. Big? Okay. Good. Good? Better than good. Right. Better than good? All right, great. Okay. Uh, great in the aspect of, of the implication tonight at least in what I've given you is a word that signifies something massive massive uh, 
something having effect that goes way above and beyond the normal. Um, expansive in power, broad in ability to influence. Uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, I guess to sum it up, it has enormous potential, be it good or be it bad. What we're going to discuss tonight. I'm give it to you here in just a minute. Enormous potential to influence good or bad, positive or negative. Now keep that in mind as we move on to the, the next word, crippler. What is a crippler? Holds you back. Holds you back. Good. Disabler. Yeah. Disabler. Disabler. Okay, good. Also know, as always I try to do, I'm speaking in a spiritual sense and even in defining these terms because these are biblical definitions and some of you are hitting it right on the nail head and uh, research this and, and uh, this culprit, I'll call it, this crippler, uh, is something that deprives. <clears throat> What's deprive mean? Keep you from having what you could have. Think about that in a spiritual sense, in a God sense. Well, if I need it, God will just give it to me. No, He doesn't. God can give. God can provide. We know that He's a great provider, right? But just because we want something don't mean that He's supposed to give it to us or that He will give it to us. Uh, we're going to touch on that a little more as we go along. Um, a crippler also is something that prevents one's capability. Right? If you're crippled in your limbs, you might not be able to walk, right? If you're crippled in your arms, you won't be able to do the things that you normally do. Uh, there's a lot of things we could say, that, say in a physical sense that applies to this. But we're going somewhere with this again in a spiritual sense that is absolutely beyond necessary that we get uh, because it's one thing, it's absolutely filled our society today. And it, it's a major component of a lot of things that's going on in our society. It may be an under-the-radar hidden one, and I'll clarify all this in just a minute. But this very thing, that this little, little critter, causes a lot of problems. Uh, so if it uh, prevents capability, then if we're talking in a, a spiritual sense or a church sense, what's it preventing our capability of doing? It's a big one, drawing closer to the Lord. Um, the, uh, you know, we could say, uh, and speaking of this tonight, and I've heard this said, you know, just in comments uh, in the media some, that the... Uh, the economic crisis that we're seeing right now, the inflation of this economic crisis is crippling our society. Well, it is, isn't it? Let's just talk about that. How is it crippling our society, this, this huge inflation that we're dealing with? Have you been affected by it? Well, sure, we all have. How are we being affected by it? Well, I'll tell you, there's some people that are having to do absolutely without when they used to have something to do with because of this thing. That's a fact. That's cause and effect. People are not capable of doing what they once were capable of doing because this one thing has affected so much. Well, what we're going to discuss tonight, this one thing has affected so much. And I'm laying this out where we get a real good foundation where we can kick off here and, and then kind of know where we're going and what we're talking about. Uh, the... Uh, <clears throat> Capability to grow. How about that? If if your if your capability has been limited, there's no growth. Your efforts can be hampered. We we could say a lot of things here tonight. Uh, The point this far I'm trying to make, and, and this is kind of hurried, I realize, because we've got some ground to cover. Speaking of crippling, 
being crippled. Um, leaning now towards a total spiritual sense because that's where we're all supposed to live, right? I'll say it again. We're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to live in the Spirit, but walk in the Spirit, we can say it either way. Uh, but truly, are we walking in the Spirit when we're infected with the very things that are trying to hinder us and limit us and prevent us from being capable to doing what it is we're supposed to be doing? We're going to hit it here in just a minute. So hang on, I'll give it to you. Um, so what happens when the church is crippled? It usually goes downhill the other direction, doesn't it? Well, what cripples the church? Well, we can say quite a few things, really. Let's kind of go, what large things crippled the church? How can things cripple the church? What can make the church ineffective? What can cause the church not to function properly? This is crippling. What can cause the church not to grow? This is something that's crippling. What can cause me not to grow? Something's crippling me, right? What can prevent me from nearing God? Something's crippling me because God is open. God says, I'm here. If, if there's something hindering us, then it's us. Right? <clears throat> so what happens if the church is crippled or worse greatly crippled? To extremes. Uh, I guess I could simply answer that and say it can't do what it's supposed to do. Or can't do what it once did. The uh, it's no secret of the and I, I'm, this is kind of a sidestep to what we're talking about, but I want to this relates because this culprit I'm going to give to you. Keep keep I'm going really going to give it to you in a minute. A lot of things going on in our world right now that are increasing and escalating and and just I mean just out of control. You know they start from somewhere. They don't just happen all at once. Something starts these things. There's a, an instigator. There's some kind of a catalyst. There's some kind of a spark somewhere. Something that starts the things that we're seeing. And I was just discussing before service started of, you know, there's movements now, military movements that's taking place all over this globe that's lining up towards the Middle East. In rapidly growing proportions, the world is turning against the nation of Israel. And I'm absolutely mad. I'm angry at these college-educated kids in this country that are doing what they're doing. They have no knowledge whatsoever, but they're doing what they're doing that's absolutely destructive. I'm telling you, there's now today I'm, I'm seeing where multi-multi-millionaires are giving millions of dollars for more protesting and more of this, and it's all causing chaos and confusion. It's just blowing up into something that before long, if it's not already, is going to be totally uncontrollable. Now that's scary in a way. But we're getting there. Back to what we're talking about. Uh, what cripples the church I, I've said many times here uh, the church is made up of people do we all know that so if the church gets crippled it's got to be people that cripple the church the walls can't do it the church the building can't cripple the church oh a windstorm or something like that might come through and damage it but I'm talking about spiritually spiritually crippling it uh gives us good reason I'll use this word why the church must absolutely function in one accord now that's easy to say we can wind that all the way back down to two people if they're not in accord 
there's chaos usually, there's disagreement, there's dysfunction, there's lack of operation, there's hindrance. They're crippled, right? If they're not operating in accord. What is accord? It's a unity of agreement. It's a, purpose, a light purpose of mind. It's a, it's a, a spiritual uh, conjoining. Right? We should know this. I mean, that's one of the basic fundamentals of the church is to be unified and in accord. Uh, so, what we're going to talk about tonight uh, is envy. Envy is the great crippler. What about him? What about him? Just four letters long, right? E N V Y envy. We're going to talk about that tonight. <laughs> envy has been around since Adam and Eve. Okay. The only way I know to say it is it flew out of the tree when Eve took the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and partook of it. Man was then ingested with envy. The human race, our flesh, throughout all the generations and the history of man on earth up until this point has been infected with envy. Do we agree with that? Amen. Absolutely. So what do we do with it? Well, let's talk about what it does to us before we know what to do with it. And this is the great limiter. This is, this is what handicaps people from serving in the kingdom of God. This, this is what hinders, this is what prevents from having a close relationship with the Lord, even a close relationship with other people, which God, if you read His Word, He wants both. He wants us to love Him, and He wants us to love other people, right? You cannot love God if you have envy in your life. You cannot love other people if you're infected with envy in your life. It is damaging and destructive. That's why it's crippling. It'll cripple you. It'll make you miserable. Let's fly into this thing. In the book of James... Chapter 4, verse 5. Did you get there? James 4 and 5 says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Where this comes from? He's citing out of Genesis, chapter 6. For God was preparing to destroy mankind because of their evil and their violence. And envy was a huge part of that. That's where this reference comes from. That's why James is saying, he's asking a question here. Don't you realize this? Notice the word lusteth. What's lusteth mean? It has an active energy. It, 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 it has an ability to, to draw and to want and to yearn. That's why we have to learn and understand to control envy. It being a part of the flesh that's been in every human being that ever existed. And controlling it is the key. Doing something with it. Doing something about it. Because we have to understand its destructive nature. Amen? Amen. What is this destructive nature? What can it do? Do you understand? Let me, let me define it for you. We're going to define it. This is how envy is defined, biblically. Jealousy over the blessings and achievements of others. Now, jealousy and envy, they say are two different words, but actually they're, they're kind of a cooperative unit. Uh, jealousy is most often, if you speak of jealousy, that's most often when you have a concern that something's going to be taken away from you. Envy is a burning in you that you want what someone else has. You want to be like someone else. You want this, and it's just a fire that's just 
engulfing in you. And, and if, folks, listen to me. It's not only damaging to people around you, it's damaging to you yourself. Because envy will consume you. Envy will take your life over. Envy will dictate your every move if you allow it to remain in you. And the only way we can check it is with the help of God. Stop at this point. Any thoughts, comments on what I've talked about up to this point? I want us to get, let's be in discussion about this. We need, we need to open this can of worms up further. We need to really define it and describe and, and uh, look at this thing like what it really is. It's a vicious animal, okay? Can be. What if a vicious animal wandered into the church? I'm talking a 300-pound tiger with teeth bared and fangs and out of control. What, what would we do? Just sit there? No. <laughs> sit there and watch him. And I know that might not be a good comparison, but it, it kind of is. Because envy can be super destructive. And we need to know that. So let's let's look into this. Uh, in almost every case, almost every case, uh, envy arises when one is experiencing dissatisfaction with their own lives. That's a proven statistic. Envy rises up when a person is dissatisfied with their own life. Why? Why is one dissatisfied with their own life? Because you're always wanting what some other person's got and a little bit more. Come on. Come on. Uh, come on, let's break it open. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Let, let's, you, you get these things out and open, I'm going to tell you something. We get things out and open, we can deal with them. This may be exactly what somebody needs to hear. Somebody might need to identify with this and realize this, this is exactly what's been going on in my life that's been hindering me and holding me and keeping me and making me who I am and what I am. And it's made me such a way I don't even like myself anymore. That's what envy will do to you. But are we forever in captivity by it? No, we can be freed from it. And there's a scriptural... Remedy that we're going to get to here in just a minute. Uh, yeah, we're we're uh, subject to it, but that don't mean that we have to live with it, because God has a way out for us. And when we find that, and understand it, and work ourselves, and folks, I'm going to be honest with you, much of that working ourselves through it is through absolute prayer. Any problem you're dealing with, if you're not praying about it, you might as well forget getting victory over it. And I'm talking these extreme spiritual issues. You have to pray. You have to put yourself before God and admit. Call it confession, but admit, God, I realize I've got this issue, if it be this or if it be something else, and Lord, I need your help dealing with it because I don't want to be like this. I don't enjoy being like this. Be delivered. Believe in deliverance. Amen. Absolutely. Um, this issue can very well, I believe, because it generates so many other things that come along with it, again, can be the greatest destroyer of a life. Talking relationship. all the way up to societies. But I got a thought. Go ahead. So our society for for a long time and I'll refer to uh, I'll refer to the American dream. So that's kind of been ingrained into us. The American dream or the idea of the American dream is kind of hardwired into every kid you grow up, family, and it's just this 
self-replicating process that we just kind of follow it. And we're also a very competitive uh, society. And I think what happens is, is that as you get to going into this and you have this version of the American dream that you desire and you want that, that version, and you start to unrealistically compare your life versus someone else's, and you look at other people, and maybe even somebody that's close to you, and you start to see that they've been able to acquire or accomplish that thing that you've been wanting. And, and I, it goes unchecked most of the time because that hardwiring in us to pursue it and to go after it, even competitively, I've got to beat this family. I've got to beat this person. I've got to. I've got to. I've got to do better than them. And we don't even realize that we're wrapped up in it. And it begins to dictate uh, what we do on a daily basis. And then before too long, we're competing with our own church members, and we're and it draws us away from each other. And I do. I really believe that that envy starts with a very basic. Uh, belief that was given to us a long time ago and we begin to look at everyone else and we want what everyone else has that's kind of mm. like uh, the American dream yeah and then I didn't say it was healthy right yeah well you know it brought my your point brought a thought to uh, something Paul said and it fits he said in whatever situation I find myself in I've learned to be content right I think that's one of the greatest lessons anybody could ever learn. Mm -hmm. Just be content with, I'm not talking about content with a bad situation that might be going on, but just content with what you you have because mm -hmm. it's so right. Envy can set in so easily wanting what somebody else has got, wanting to be how somebody else is, wanting this, wanting that. Uh, and it, it takes root and it grows and it intensifies. That, that's the dastardly thing about it. It's never satisfied unless it's growing. And the more it grows, the more damaging it becomes. And, uh, you know, if you if you just think about it and you want to really define the root of a lot of the issues, like I said a while ago, that's wrong with our country, here it is right here. This is, the, this is it. Sadly, that's what's wrong with a lot of Christian people and Christian churches. And, and you know, the church has got to admit some stuff. If we don't admit and realize, first of all, recognize and realize how things affect us and affect other people that are around us, or either we don't care how it affects anybody. You can get to that point. Envious people literally get to that point. They don't care how they affect anybody else. They just want their self to be pleased. And that's the dangerous part of it. Then it becomes all about them instead of scriptural godly principles is that we're to care about other people before we care about ourselves. We, we're glad to see somebody else have. We're glad to see somebody else uh, advance. That's the, that's the biblical principle of how we're supposed to be, not otherwise. And like you said, not trying to outdo somebody else because whatever it is burning in here and just eating us alive is just keeps fueling more and more spite. Eventually becomes hate. And that's when it really gets bad. So what are the effects then? Greed. Let's back up. It turns into greed. Kind of like that monster you was talking about walking down through the aisle a while ago. How would we stop and take care of it? Well, all this stuff is crippling and all this stuff to envy. After a while, it just it turns into that big old monster you was talking about coming mm -hmm. down the aisle. It just turns into greed. So you want what everybody else wants. And you're going to get it one way or the other. Because you're not satisfied with yourself. Right. Right. It's good. Anybody else? Kenny. In that verse 5, the spirit that dwelleth in us. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, I mean, that's not the good Holy Spirit. No. Uh, maybe the, the spirit of, of the flesh that causes us to sin, mm -hmm. or the fallen man, which that's mean, it. leads to... Yeah, spirit of the flesh. Uh, looking at that verse. Uh, just bring another point out. I'll wait just a little bit on that. Uh, anybody else? Any of this? Any of this I've talked about? 
But just keep laying it out here. You know, we get a. Go ahead. Envy is something that will snowball on you because there's a whole lot of other things that will tie themselves to it. Yep. And before long, you know, he said greed. You're talking greed, hatred. You're talking mm -hmm. all these sins that will just tie themselves to it if you don't get control of it. Mm -hmm. And and then you can also a person who is dealing with envy. They, you know, you said you, you we got to pray. We got to pray for our problems. A lot of people won't admit they have a problem because everybody else has a problem. That's that's a key so, indicator. So exactly. that, that means that's another reason why we as Christians we have to continually pray for each other mm -hmm. because somebody may have an issue that they don't understand and it's actually going on you know that type mm -hmm. of situation. Mm -hmm. So we get, we got to pray for each other all the time. Yeah, and that that that's absolutely necessary too. And you know it's it kind of makes you wonder with it. With everything you see going on, and I've asked myself this question: Is is people even praying for each other anymore? Yeah. You know, uh, you can. Most people are not going to put on group me app. I have envy, and I really want John's new truck. You know. <laughs> no, right. good point. That's exactly right. And yeah, but it's got to be admitted in a before God. I mean, that's where it's got to go. If you don't take things to God, you're never going to get a remedy for them with that with these kind of things. Yeah. You're exactly right. No, you're not going to advertise it. We have to, so we have to pray for each other. Mm -hmm. We have to ask God to reveal to us what people need prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, who, who needs prayer? What's going on in these individuals' lives? What can you show me? And God will reveal that to us. And Amen. He'll show us who needs prayer and what's going on in their lives. And sometimes He won't tell us what it is. Just we just understand we need to pray for somebody. Yeah. And that, you know, it uh, it brings up a actually a whole other point is uh, people's fear if they might want to talk to somebody about it, the fear that it's going to be exposed, you know, or, you know, there's a lot of factors here involved and people desperately need help because again this, this is a destroyer of a lot of things not just the church envy destroys all kinds of relationships and such uh, and that's why we need again we need to understand it and and uh, be able to control it and hopefully be delivered of it uh, Paul spoke of it in Galatians 5.19 if you want to turn there if you want to see how such an egregious sin that it is, uh, he named them right amidst a lot of other things. Galatians 5. 5.19 now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. He names them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. What's your Bible say in 21? Envyings. Murderers. Envyings, right? Murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's scary enough right there then. Envyings. Multiples. Envy never rests alone. It's multiple. It's, it's, it's productive. It's reproductive. You said there's other things that pop up too. Go along with it. We're going to talk about at least one of them here in a minute. Uh, well, let's just talk about it now. What what associates itself with envy? With envy being the root, then what else happens? Think of some things. What? Yep. Okay. Envy, in a way, is stealing from someone else because you want what they got. You want what they are. You want what they're doing. Is that not, in a way, a yearning to steal anyway? <coughs> Else. In a way, you can kind of look at it as deprived you of your peace. Of your peace? Yeah. You're in a Absolutely. Peace. You just don't know it. 
Yeah, or you, at least gotta, you can't identify with it. You got to get down there and kind of search yourself for it before you can speak to somebody else or learn what somebody else. You got to see what you're. You got to see. You got to see yourself. You just said we all need to search ourselves up before we want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some deep-rooted issues that, and this is one of them that we. It's just. I'm glad you said that because it's it's necessary that we do a self-examination, and I've mentioned that before. The Bible told, tells us again to examine ourselves, see see if we're in the faith, see if what we're doing is pleasing to God. Uh, there's multiple scriptures that relate to that. Uh, anyway, as, as Paul said here in Galatians, uh, these are what's determine egregious sins. I mean, look at some of them. These are the big ones, right? Well, look what's right in the middle of them. Exactly what we're talking about. Because envy can create so many other things and evolve into things that are so super destructive to people. And uh, I just thought it interesting there that him uh, naming some of the big, biggie, 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 bad, terrible, wicked things and right in the middle of it is exactly what we're, we're uh, touching on here tonight. Uh it's listed here for a reason. And that reason, again, being that we need to identify. Uh, it, it, and I'll just say it this way, folks. If you're sick, how do you know you're sick? Physically sick. What tells you you're physically sick? What, what is it called, though? What are you experiencing? Symptoms. Symptoms. Spiritual sickness is the same thing. We need to... See if we're experiencing symptoms. How do we do that? By exactly what we're doing tonight. This is not to batter anyone or make anybody feel small or defeated. This is to help and to encourage and to grow every individual here. And that's my sole intent, to grow people into the kingdom of God, that they can be fervent for the Lord and loving, considerate, kind, compassionate, which are totally opposites of envious. Loving, considerate, compassionate, and kind don't come from envy, believe you me. There's a whole lot of other things come out of being envious. So, saying that, uh, James, back on back in the book of James, where was that? Well, go ahead and turn back over there. He fur- further spoke on it. He didn't leave it alone. He didn't just state that one thing and leave it alone, or the Holy Spirit speaking through him, because the Holy Spirit, God, knows what people need to hear. So James, here in this same particular section of Scripture, uh, matter of fact, it's uh, chapter 4 beginning with uh, verse 1. I believe, Tanner, you might have been here a while back talking on this or teaching Sunday school. I don't remember, but it sounded familiar. Uh, anyway, I'm not doubling up on, on you here. No, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. uh, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Where do they come from? Where do wars and fightings come from? That's the question here. I didn't ask it. I just read it out of the Bible. That's right. Yeah. Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? What lust? What we talk about envy being? Lust. The lust the lust that lies within within us. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. Now, that means something a little different than what many people might portray it as meaning. Or at least it has a additional understanding we need to be able to grab a hold of. Uh, first of all, if this, is, this isn't talking about shooting at each other with guns fighting and warring. This is talking about despiting and hating and, and all these kind of things. In, in, in turmoil. No peace. Constant confrontation. He said, why is this? I said, why is this? Don't you know where this is coming from? Don't you understand? You don't have because first thing you're out of order, total out of order, if envy's controlling your life and you're making yourself so miserable and others miserable with you, and if you're fussing and fighting and warring and all these things going on, 
you have not because you ask not, I think it's about time. Think what he may be trying to say in a big way. You need to be asking the one that can do something about it, and that's God. Because if you keep relying on your own self, envy the, it does nothing but grow deeper. It gets bigger. It, it never stays small. And him addressing this here, now, he's addressing it because evidently there's an issue with who he's writing this letter to. And he's, he's, he's analyzed this and he knows what the problem is. That's why this is here. God has identified. God always identifies, doesn't he? God sees what's going on. He knows what needs to be said. So here we have this ourselves tonight to see this, what James is writing here. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Here's envy all over again. It's to consume upon your own lust. That's what envy is about. To have what you want, to have what you can get, even if it means depriving somebody else of what they've got. Or even sliding someone or making attempts to destroy someone. or It just goes on and on and on. That's why it's so destructive. That's why it's so damaging. Listen to how he classifies them. You adulterers and adulteresses. That's pretty stout, isn't it? I mean, that's real stout because he's talking about envy here, but he's landed on them. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, that sounds, well, he's talking about something totally different. If envy is controlling you, you're worldly, okay? You're worldly. If we're of the Spirit, what are we? We're not controlled by envy. If we have the Spirit of God in us, then we're going to be displaying the things of the Spirit of God, right? Which are not the things associated with envy. That's, here's the great difference. Uh, what James is declaring here, uh, further describing, uh, he's talking about what he's addressing to these that he's speaking to is they're committing something uh, that is totally disabling them to be effective for God whatsoever. Matter of fact, alienating themselves from God. Okay? Okay alienating themselves from God. And he's talking about this one particular subject that we're talking about here tonight. Again, we need, we need to get a hold of it, understand it. Uh, let me ask you a question. We know that Lucifer was kicked out of heaven because of pride, right? What started that pride, you think? Envious of who? Absolutely. See, he uses that as a tool still to this day. You think Judas might have had some envy? Something was wrong with him, wasn't it? Now, we know he was a son of perdition in one particular scripture. The other son of perdition is Antichrist, but, but still yet. I don't believe, and I'm just speaking to myself, that the money's all Judas was after when he denied Christ. There's something else going on in him. And I would say envy is a big part of it. That's how destructive envy can become. That's the things it can lead people to. Unimaginable actions and, and spites and hatreds and all sorts of things. That's why we need to flee it and get as far away from it as a church and as Christian people as we possibly can. Then we can advance. Then we can fulfill the purpose of God. Because as long as we've got this and as long as we're going to let it live and take up residence within us and dictate to us our actions most of the time, we're never going to be successful 
We're never going to go any further. In uh, I think some of these things have already been said. I want to move on here just a little bit. Uh, here's a big one. Everybody like to be happy? Happy's great, isn't it? Should we just be happy for ourselves? Who should we be happy for? Others. Others. You see, when you're envious, you can't be happy for others. <coughs> and whatever it is that they might achieve, or whatever they might accomplish, whatever they might do, whatever they might have. Uh, again, I could reflect back on what Paul said. Sometimes envy causes you to be happy at other people's failures. Other people's calamities. Isn't that something? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, we've, through the years, we've had several, I guess you'd say, TV evangelists uh, who were prosperity preachers. Mm -hmm. And if you just thought just spoke to me because of this subject, I believe their prosperity teaching came from envy. They started out younger in their ministry, not having anything. And they wanted everything everybody else had. Mm -hmm. More so. Yeah, more so. More so. Because we don't want to allow that envy mm -hmm. to seemingly harmless, seemingly like, you know, God's prosperity. We don't want to become that prosperity teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, God wants his people to be prosperous, but not in an envious way, mm -hmm. right. not in a greedy way, not in a mm -hmm. selfish way, not in a way we're going to get it no matter what. Right. You know, we, we get what we get. God will bless if we stay. He will. He always has. He always will. If we stay, get where we need to be and stay where we need to be. Exactly. Uh, it, again, this is a great limiter. Though. I mean, it, it's it's a huge hinder. Uh, anybody else? Okay, moving on. Then. Um, one note: uh, social media has absolutely inflamed the degree of envy in our society today. It's it's just a tool. I'm telling you, it uh, it. What do I need to say anymore? Not really. Uh, again, it's uh, it seems to be like the recipe Satan's trying to throw out on the entirety of society is envy. Just get people all in an envious chaos and hateful and spiteful uh, way of life, and then he he just pretty much can sit back and let it all destroy itself. We're not supposed to be that way, though, right? Um, secondary element that buddy that I mentioned a while ago I was going to bring up the buddy to envy uh, is something that's referred to biblically as well and uh, remember I said misery loves company and uh, what is gossip What's it, gossip? I don't know, but I think it can fill a hen house plum full. You don't know, but somebody <laughs> told you? Yeah. It's, it's inevitable when there's envy, there's going to be gossip. Why? It just goes hand in hand. Why, though? That's the only way you can figure out. Because gossip fuels Gossip fuels envy. Gossip fuels envy. And it keeps on fueling and it keeps on making the fire greater and more enormous. Also, that's misery loves company. It makes it spread to misery loves company. Spread, yeah. You could get somebody else to, now they're wanting to talk about it too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's contagious. Uh, actually, the word gossip, now the Bible refers to it as backbiting. I'll explain that here in a minute. Gossip come from a word God bid. 
Isn't that strange? Actually, it was a friend of one that was going to be baptized. That's what they call them, a God bid. A friend, a very close friend. Well, very close friends know pretty much all about the person, right? Then it evolved to mean one who talks about with things that, you see, see now that, that's just an interesting, I, I caught that and I thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, now it's evolved into what it is. So let's talk about that in just a minute. Uh, backbiting is mentioned in Romans 1, uh, 29 and 30. Let's just read it. Romans 1. One twenty nine. Now, backing up, this is talking about vile affections and all kinds of illicit lust and stuff. And here we go again. Uh, twenty nine says, "Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy." Murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters. See that? Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection. See where it's classified right in the middle of again? I find that interesting. Whisperers and backbiters. Talking about the same thing that because of envy, these things begin to take place and, and they're damaging again and destructive. Uh, I want to for sake of time, we're almost out of time, uh, close up with uh, back to James verse 3 this time. And we'll look at verses 13 through 18. James 3, 13 through 18. Ask a very uh, interesting question here right off the start. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Anybody want to raise your hand? I am. It's a question here for a purpose. He goes on. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom out of his lifestyle, the way he's living. What conversation means there? Not just talking. You can say anything. It's how you live. <coughs> but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. I'll explain that in just a minute. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. I said that Sunday morning. I used that scripture. Let's talk about that. What's he saying here? Who's wise? We need to be wise, right? We need to, need to have that understanding, knowledge, uh, where we don't get into situations like we're talking tonight. Uh, summarizing, I want, this is something that I, uh, actually Matthew Henry, I, I go to his writings a lot, and this is, this is what he said in relating to what James just said here. Pretend what you will and convince yourself what you may. But you have an abundance of reasons to stop your glorying. Your bragging and your boasting. If you run down love and peace and give way to bitter envying and strife. What good does it do to glory in being a Christian only to be full of envy and show your spite and heart burnings against others, which is a shame to you and a total contradiction against the truth of God. And that verse 16, I'm going to go to it closing. <coughs> Notice envy is first, for we're envying is first. And then, what does envy do? We've been talking about envy, envy wants company. Envy excites strife. Brings strife about. That's what it does. 
That's its job. That's his, that's his desire. And much more. What comes next? According to the scripture. You got envy and you got strife. What do you got now? Confusion. Confusion. What's that? Let me tell you. Confusion is what confounds. It creates instability. Instabil with instability, there's no foundation. At least good foundation. Why it's instability? There's nothing stable. Be it whatever situation you find, you're talking about it in. Again, relationship, church, Christian life, whatever. Let me go on. Disorder. Disturbance. This used in this particular scripture, right here is exactly and specific what it's used in this scripture I just read you. Listen to this. Envy being in this scripture is talking about a state of revolutionary anarchy. That blew me away when I read it. A state of revolutionary anarchy. Folks, what are we seeing in this country right now? Anarchy. Revolutionary meaning revolting, rebellious. And I think I could safely say that a great huge percentage of what's going on right now started with a little thing called envy. That didn't look so big, not harmful at all, but man, look at what it does. And it's not through yet. It has not completed its mission yet. Because it's been around again for generations of time. It's still existing. So what do we do? What do we do about it? We're going to look at the next two verses. 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable. Gentle and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You will never be able to sow peace or make peace when you have envy ruling your life. You won't even know what peace is. But when you do and you allow the peace of God to fill you and the Spirit of God to work on you and, and, and admit to some extremes and, and confess some hard to confess things. Hey, it don't, listen to me. It don't even hurt God. Have a conversation with God and ask God, God, am I envious? Do I have envy, Lord? Can you expose that to me, Lord? Maybe I don't even realize it. Is envy what my problem is? Is this been the critter all along that's been messing with me and causing me issues and problems and falling out with people and disliking people and all sorts of other things? Ask God. Get before Him and get serious with Him. When we do this, and we, when, you, when you seek God and you sincerely ask Him, He is faithful in exposing your faults if you will allow it. Then you can do something about it. All these latter things we just spoke of in these latter two scriptures, again, have nothing to do with envy. They're the opposite of envy. They're how we're to walk and operate. Of all people on this earth, Christians should be able to navigate in peace and happiness and joy and love for each other and compassion for each other and mercy for each other. See where there's envy involved, one can't do that. I'm urging you as I close. Get serious with the Lord. Take it to Him. If you've got the symptoms, admit it. Admit it before God. I'm not telling you to go tell 15 or 20 other people. Just get before God and admit it. Ask Him to help. Lord, I need your help. I want to be beneficial. I I want to 
enhance the efficiency of the church. I, I want to see a change in my family. I want to see my relationship thrive. Huge inhibitor. Huge inhibitor to your spiritual growth. I've said what I've said tonight because I want the best for everybody in this church. I want you to know God is available to help you. If you're struggling with this issue, He is available to help you. All you have to do is ask Him. You will get such great freedom and such release when you do. And your life will be better. And much more able to serve the Lord. Amen. Would you stand?